I heard a story a few years back from a priest friend of mine back in the Diocese of Peoria, longtime priest, and he was a high school chaplain for a number of years. And he told this story about one time he saw one of the seniors walking in the hall and just looking particularly glum. He said, you know, what's going on? And the kid said, well, my birthday's coming up. He said, well, why does that depress you? He said, well, I don't think I'm going to get what I want. He said, what's that? He said, well, my dad said he was going to give me a car. He said, what's wrong with that? He said, well, I told him that, Dad, I just want to spend some time with you. I guess his dad was on the road all the time, kind of a workaholic type, always going, doing all sorts of things, but just was never around to spend time. And the son said, all I want for my birthday is just for you to take a day and us to just be with each other and just do some things together and spend some time together. And, you know, he said, well, I hope that happens. And a couple days go by, and father saw the guy in the hallway a couple days later, looking worse than ever, and he said, what's going on? Boy took him to the parking lot, showed him his new red convertible. And it was one of those things where, you know, when you think about that, Obviously, there's part of us like, it wouldn't be so bad to have a red convertible, you know? But nevertheless, it's like I think it speaks very deeply to just our deep need for communion. And I'll tell you, the frustrating thing I feel like from this very homily, this is the third time I'm giving it now, and I've discussed it with Joseph in between the masses, I feel like it's hard to put into words how blessed we truly are in our faith. When you look at this first reading and what St. Peter is saying, you know, there is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. Well, what does it mean to be saved? If you look at that second reading and St. John's sort of plumbing the depths of the fact that we are children of God now, that we're called his children that he loves us enough to be in our midst and in the gospel of John as well, that he is the good shepherd, that the father knows him, that he knows the father, that I know mine and mine know me, that God eternally loving himself, father loving the son, and that love is so real that it is the third person, the Holy Spirit, and it's existed from all time as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, that he loves us enough to not merely give us things, right? That we know deep down, that even though all of us, you know, it's like how many times we said, oh, if only I'd win the lottery, I'd pay off the church. I agree, that would be wonderful. Let's do that, huh? And we could afford fireworks. We didn't even have to take up a second collection. But nevertheless, it's like we know that even if the church was just like paid off, even if we could afford fireworks every other Friday, right? It's not as though that would finally satisfy us. The reason why we're here The reason why we continue to come is because at the heart of it all, we have the Good Shepherd. We have the love of God incarnate in our midst. That what we're longing for, just like that young man, is communion. And communion with the one who can give it to us fully. And it's incredible to me, too, if you look at the Acts of the Apostles, and here's Peter today, it's as filled with the Holy Spirit, as leaders and, of the people and elders. Like, he's, they're, they're on trial. Peter and John are on trial at this point in Acts of the Apostles. Because why? It says, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a cripple, which sounds kind of harsh to our modern ears. But listen about this good deed. This goes, so today we're in the midst of chapter 4. 
all the way back at the beginning of chapter 3, that's where this all happens. This is what happens at the beginning of chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at that gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him with John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention upon them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, that's an incredible miracle, right? And I know we don't see people standing up and leaping all the time, right? Miracles do continue to happen. But even if you think about just like the miracles of modern medicine, I mean, we don't worship our doctors who are able to cure our backs or make us walk again. And even when we can walk again, we know that eventually our legs are going to fail us or our eyes are going to fail us. We still long for something so much more. And you notice here too, what Peter gives that man, it's not just the ability to walk in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, taking him by the hand, raising him up, being able to boldly proclaim that in the midst of a place where they're going to almost immediately be put in jail and have to stand up for it. And then Peter and John and the other apostles eventually are going to be flogged for this. And as we know, all of them but John are eventually going to be killed for this. It's not just about silver and gold. It's not just about the stuff. And as we know, yeah, the stuff is great. We're happy. I mean, God created all and created all very good. Last week we talked about the fish, right? We like baked fish. We like the stuff. But we know inherently that the stuff cannot satisfy us. And the beauty of our faith, unlike any other faith out there, no other faith claims that we can become children of God the Father. No other faith out there claims God would become one of us and lay down his life for us and take it up again. And therein also lies the beauty. Even with that young man in high school, if his dad did spend time with him, even if he was like the best dad in the world and they did stuff together every day, son, let's have a catch. It's all I ever wanted, dad. You know, like if if that was the case, still... His dad couldn't perfectly fulfill him because we live in a fallen world and there's sin and there's death. But here's the beautiful thing. If we think back to the gospel from last weekend, what were the apostles when Jesus was there with them and showed them his hands and his feet? They were incredulous for joy. Why? Incredulous because it almost seems too good to be true. And that's where it's like it's so hard to figure out the right words to say, my brothers and sisters in Christ... It is true. And that's why we keep coming back. That's the amazing thing, to think that God himself is telling us about himself, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Basically, I love you enough that I die for you. And I love you enough that I take up my life for you again. That death cannot overcome that love. That what we are longing for at the very depths of our heart, we have it. It's there with us. 
Jesus continues to give us himself, and there is no other name under heaven or earth that we can be saved by. And the good news for us is, he's given it to us. It's there every single day. And unfortunately for us, myself, very much included, I'm lazy, and I'm sinful, and I fall away, and I forget, and I get distracted by the silver and the gold and the cars, right? I get distracted by the fact that life can be hard sometimes. I get distracted by all sorts of things, and yet, he continues to be faithful, to be in our midst, to give us himself in the sacraments. And as we continue on in this beautiful season of Easter, we're reminded that we are called to joy And we no longer have to be incredulous because that gift which is there which ultimately satisfies the human heart and that is communion with him. He loves us. He lays down his life for us. He is the good shepherd who stays with us, gives us himself once again today in the blessed sacrament, is there with us in the confessional to reconcile us to him and to one another. It is the good news. And I think the frustrating thing as a preacher is that it's so hard to distill that down and say, here it is, because there are no words that ultimately summarize it all. And quite frankly, I think that's why we have to have Mass every single day, is because we keep trying to understand it more and more that this news, this person, this God who calls himself the Good Shepherd has shown us that it is true. And he continues to be in our midst and calls us to himself. Ultimately, what we have to know and have to live out, like those apostles, is that continual closeness to him. Because my brothers and sisters in Christ, the good news for us is he is there. He stays with us. He's always calling us to himself. He is the good shepherd who does not abandon his flock. What we must do as we continue on in this Easter season, as we move into the rest of the year, as we go forward not knowing what may be coming next, we do know this. Jesus Christ loves us. He laid down his life for us. He takes it up again. He remains in our midst and calls us into that communion with him and his Father. It's what we've all been longing for. It's what we're all searching for. It is what ultimately fulfills it. Don't let it pass by, but embrace him today and every day. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.